going to give play-by-play of the uh, Colorado Predators game throughout the uh, hour. It's going to be riveting stuff. We'll explain to you how these podcast things work later. I saw Nathan McKinnon this morning at the hotel. All right. We're ready? All right. Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Mike Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you live from uh, the township of Wyoming, Minnesota. Uh, we're, at, we're at Split Rocks here. Uh, thanks for everybody for coming out. It's crazy. It's Friday night. It's on a beautiful Friday night. Friday too. night, 75 degrees, and the place is packed. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Thank you guys for yeah. coming. Yeah, thanks for everybody for coming out. Uh, Wild, uh, we will know uh, at some point tonight, uh, and everybody listening to this podcast tomorrow will know for sure if the Wild are playing the National Predators. Excuse me. They won't uh, play Nashville. Yeah. The Dallas Stars. <laughs> my mind's a blank. I woke up in Nashville. That's part of the problem. And. Even though we have a packed house here, I'm a little distracted by the Colorado uh, game in Nashville right now. Uh, so uh, we'll know tomorrow uh, or later tonight if the Dallas Stars or the Colorado Avalanche are going to be the Wilds' opponent. I think you and I both uh, figure that we were heading to Dallas on Sunday. I've thought that all along. It's yep. gotten a lot closer than I thought it would get here late. And, yeah, I still think Colorado finds a way to win that game tonight. Thanks and- to the Anaheim Ducks. Yeah, well, there were a few things that happened late. The Stars really got on a roll, number one, yeah. and which really is a part of the reason why I don't think it matters much which team the Wild play from a competitive standpoint, but I sure would rather face Dallas in the first round. The Cup champs is just, they've got a swagger to them. I still believe they have a gear, even though they're, they ha- they're not healthy and they won't be healthy, announcing that Landeskog won't play in the playoffs. I still just think they have a different gear than anybody else in the West. Doesn't mean that they're a lock to win it or that they're going to be able to maintain that through four series again this year. But I just think everybody else in the West is more on a level playing field, including the Wild and the Stars. But one of the things that was interesting was when I compared the numbers from the Stars and the Avs, it's remarkable how similar they are. Yeah. Scoring, special teams, Defense, it's they're a lot closer than you'd think over the course of the season. Um, it just, you know, the other thing I was shocked at today was doing the numbers for both Dallas and Colorado. Is that the Wild, the, the outcomes have been pretty similar, even though it doesn't have just. There's a feel that the Wild haven't played very well against Dallas this year, and that matchup might be tougher. Well, but it's they're, still, they're as you two mentioned, and the two, avalanche. and both wins were shootouts. Right. So, in and terms one of, game, they blew a huge lead. Right, and so yeah, I, I don't think they've played great. Against Colorado now, remember, they maybe played, I thought, one of their signature wins of the year was the win in Denver against the Avs. And when the the last time they played in St. Paul, Minnesota ran them over for 60 minutes and lost the game. So I think maybe, I don't know that there's much of a difference in the matchups. I think one of the things is that missing Jules Erickson Eck might be a bigger factor against Dallas than against Colorado, which seems crazy because Colorado might have the best line in the West, if not yeah. in the league. But the, I just think some, Jamie Benn is such a bully, and he will bully Ryan Hartman and Kirill Kaprizov and Marcus Johansson and Freddie Gaudreau. He can't bully Jewel Erickson Eck. And that, that loss might be a bigger factor against Dallas than it would be against Colorado. Yeah, and I think that's where the wild center depth. I mean, your second-line center in Colorado is JT Comfer. Very different than having Wyatt Johnson, who looks like he's going to be an absolute superstar. Um, Tyler Sagan on your third line. Um, you know, and obviously Rupe hints on the first. So I just think it's going to be a harder matchup. But as you have said many, many times anyway, Dean is not a big hard matchup guy except for the blue line anyway. 
So that's what he's going to be hoping to do is get his, uh, you know, whether it's uh, Spurgeon or Brodian out against the top guys. Yeah, and he's got two deep pair that he really trusts. And I, I, so I think that's a big part of it. But there is just something about the way, and I love Jamie Benn as a player, but he, the, I don't know that there's a better term to use to describe him than he's a bully. And he plays on the edge. He's like Ryan Hartman with an extra foot of height and length and size. And, and he's a more proven scorer in the NHL. He's the guy that I think still is the key to that whole team. The Robertson and Hintz line does most of their scoring. The, they've got depth. Their blue line, I think, is better than average, but not, not awesome. I just think he's the guy. that you, He just drives that team. And he, he's, he's not the most consistent player anymore. But you have to have a guy who's willing to stand up to him, and that's who Eric Sinek has been. Um, again, welcome uh, to Split Rocks here. Uh, make sure that you pay attention to our social media for our live shows. We'll do two in May as well. This is our last live show here in April, but we'll have two more podcasts. This is the uh, remote edition of the Aquarius Home Services studio as well. Um, if you're playing pull tabs and you win a jackpot, half that goes to the, the hosts. Um, we have a microphone up here. Um, if you want to come up, you don't have to be invited. Just come on up, ask a question, put on the headset. If you've never gotten a... Uh, Really uh, highly coveted worst seats in the house uh, T-shirt. Before we got five of them up there, you can grab one um, as long as we approve of your question uh, as well. Um, you, Eriksonek, uh, I sat down with Billy Garen yesterday, and uh, the one thing he did say to me and is that look, I, you know, there's a timetable for this injury that they're not willing to share. But he did share that if Eriksonek, um, if everything continues to go well and the Wild make this a long series that we could see Eric Sinek in the first round, which is good news. because I, I, will, I predict Eric Sinek plays in this series without a doubt, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little earlier. It's 100% conjecture, but I'm just going off what I know of the guy, what, how hard he works. I think he's already begging to get back in the line. I know, yeah. And, and I well, think, Dean said that the other day. Yeah, so I think, we're, yeah. I think we'll see him sooner than most people think in this series. Um, can you do you think that Freddie Goudreau could could fill those very hefty skates? Well, no, but nobody can. He'll he's as good as any option that we have, and I think it'll obviously the lineup's better when Erickson X in that spot, and then Freddie is on what looks like it could be a solid third line with Felino and Nyquist. Nyquist has has certainly brought a little bit of scoring punch to that line, a little speed. Um, a little offense, and yet then you got Felino and Gaudreau, who are both responsible defensive guys, and that could end up. Now you could have a, a four-line club that you could play all four. So you think Steele's going to the second line between no. Johansson and Boldy? No, no, no. I'm saying once Eriksenek is back. Oh, I got you. Okay. And so I think Freddie's not going to be able to do what Eriksenek okay. can do, but he's the best option they have for right now. So I, I think they'll be fine with him there. But if I think if they're going to win this series, Eriksenek has to be a part of it. So uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been you know kind of chasing the fact that uh, recently that Bill Guerin uh, signed a contract extension. One big reason why I went hard after yesterday was because I just you knew that the Penguins were going to clean house today, and I just wanted it out there wholeheartedly that, that Bill Guerin's locked and loaded because I knew that there would be immediate conjecture that the Penguins would come calling on Billy. That's not going to happen. I reported today that he got a contract extension. Um, I guess, obviously, this is not 
like the biggest news in the world because I think we all thought that I don't think any of us worried that he was going to be leaving with the job that he's done here. No, but there but, was a little bit yeah. of that just in the back of your mind that he's got ties to Pittsburgh, obviously, and it was a big part of championships there. And it, you do have to, you always have to wonder that. I don't think, I never really seriously thought he was that he'd leave. But if all of a sudden the Pittsburgh Penguins come and say, "Hey, look, here's the package. Take a look." You, you have to look at yeah. it. 28 seconds into the first period, the Colorado Avalanche has taken a one nothing lead. So, uh, there you go. How about that? I mean, So I should just, start making dinner reservations in Dallas on Sunday it's night? It's just, un, it's, yeah. I mean, it is but truly, that's what I was saying. Like, they just, truly unbelievable. They just have a gear, yeah. and now yeah. when it's, this is a long way to go, and we saw Nashville last night, they've got some good young players, but these are guys that, there's Jeez. not a team in the West that yeah. has lineup full of guys that have won these games more than Colorado does. Yeah. And it, this is one of those nights where you just feel like McKinnon and Rantanen will have three points apiece. They'll score five. They'll win the game 5-2, and it'll never be in doubt, and, and we'll head to Dallas. Yeah, this one was unbelievable. I mean, Devontae takes a dribbler from the point, hits the leg of a Predators player, and bounces about four times right to the right of Lankinen. So there you go. They're off. Dallas Stars. Um, Jason Robertson versus Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, you know, obviously, they're not going head-to-head against each other. But two All-Stars, one-two in the, in the Calder, even though the Wild uh, superstar lapped him in that. Um, but, man, Jason Robertson, if you thought he was going to take a step back in those two years since the Calder race, he is absolutely not. Um, how good do you think or how formidable of a um, task will this be for the Wild? To handle him, he's and, not and in the same stratosphere as Kaprizov in terms of talent. Mm-hmm. He's just not. But he's a gifted scorer. It's he when you watch him, he doesn't skate particularly well. I don't think he has a what you'd call like a frightening shot. But he's got a deceptively quick release. He uses a long reach to change angles when he scores about as well as anybody. And the guy just keeps piling up numbers. But he's not a guy that you have to – the Wild are more concerned about hints than they are about Robertson in terms of who drives that line and, and the player you have to stop. Robertson's going to find a way to get his points. He always does. But Kaprizov controls games. Robertson scores. And there's a difference. Phil Gustafson, game one starter? I think it's without a doubt. Yeah. Um, so Gus versus Ottinger, what do you think? Well, Ottinger – proved that he can do it in the playoffs last year, even though he lost the series. He was, he was the best player in the series against Calgary. They lost the series in seven, but what did he have, 62 saves, I think, in game seven? Yeah. And he was, he was unbelievable. But Gus is, just, continues to, just continues to pass every test. I think one of the weapons that Gus might have, and be careful how I phrase this, but sometimes ignorance can be a weapon. And I just don't think he realizes like how big some of these spots are. And it's just he's just he's just goofy enough where it might not phase him to be a game one starter in a playoff series. <laughs> I just I really believe that. And when you watch the way he carries himself and acts and walks, you'd swear he was heading to a beer league game sometimes. But but yet he's just he's locked in. And and right now he's so focused on just stopping the first shot. There are so many plays every night, and I think we've talked about it on this show, where he'll make the save. The rebound will just sit out there for seemingly eternity, but he knows the wild defensive core is going to take care of it, so he's not 
worried about where he's putting pucks or just stop the puck and let it sit there and we'll take care of the rest and I think since he's simplified to that level he's been he's been really good and statistically since his start he was one four and one with the goals against over three back in mid-November and since that time he's the number one goalie yeah. in the league in terms of save percentage and goals against average yeah do you like it's I think unless last night changed it which frankly it should but are you concerned about the third defense pair? Because Merrill and Klingberg, like, if last, if last night was a final impression, holy crap, start freaking. Well, they only played together for the first period. I know, but, but I just, think you know, like, they are not yeah, on top of their game right now. I think that, and I think that's why in the last two periods you saw Klingberg playing on the left with Faber. They got to see if Klingberg can handle the left. They need Klingberg in the lineup because he quarterbacks the power play, and Kalen Addison's not going to play in this playoff series unless something happens that's dramatic. Two nothing. Right. And so the, right, it's good to have you locked into the show here, Michael. But we're, we'll, I'll make dinner reservations Sunday in Dallas, and then can we just be done with paying attention to that? No, I've got to watch this. we got scouting for the second round. Um, but so I, I really think that that might be one of the first so-called the, the first move, the first alternative move that the wild coaches will make. I think if you didn't need Klingberg on the power play, you might see Faber and Goligoski as your third defensive pair. But Klingberg has to play. They need him to run the power play. So that means that that might be the, the next thing. So the first, if in that first game, the third defensive pair becomes a problem, I wouldn't be surprised if that was Dean's first move. Because the other option would be to go Goligoski and Klingberg on the third set. I, I think you're that. locked into Klingberg yeah. right now because yeah. of the power play. And... And maybe not rightfully so. We'll have to see. I mean, if, if they try this and that doesn't work, then you almost have to say, all right, let's let Spurgeon run the first power play and play your third set yeah. with some different guys. So I just think yeah. right now you're going into a playoff series with nine defensemen that could potentially be a part of this somehow, some way. And I, I, that's not the norm. And yet all nine bring something to the table. Yeah. That there is a scenario where you could see them in there at some point in the lineup. Yeah, I did joke yesterday, though, that we probably watched. Uh, I said, <laughs> I shouldn't joke around, but I mean, I said uh, that was probably Kalen Addison's last game with the Wild. I mean, he is, and it, almost fittingly, they put him at forward because that's how little trust they have him on the back end. But I mean, they are going to trade him this summer. I mean, they just. They don't even have the cap space to, you know, get all their guys done. So you, that one's somebody will find a spot for him, yeah. and he'll be a he'll be a productive. I don't know that I'd go so far as to say valuable commodity, but he'll be a productive player for somebody. He was really good on the Minnesota power play early in the season, and and that was and it was, he was no small part of a power play that was one of the best in the league in the first half. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was pretty much right after here when I when I said that you were discounting his power play points that they yeah, stopped using. Yeah, you completely. argued with me. So clearly, uh, clearly, Dean listened and uh, said that he agreed with you. So um, let's, uh, you know, but back that to this point. That always happens. Back to this point, I would prefer if if you're not starting with Faber, I think they should go Goligoski and Klingberg because I don't think that you take a defenseman in Klingberg who is having trouble playing his normal side. And take him for the first time ever and put him on his offside. Well, he's played some on the left. Well, in his I career. don't know. Like I, when he was like, I texted some people in yep. in management in Dallas, and he always had Lindell on his left or Goligoski right. on his left. 
he's played like minimal he shit. He hasn't played much, but the, the wild coaches talked to him about it, and he said he had done it in the past, so that's why I think they wanted to see it the yeah. other night. And I, I, I don't disagree with you. I just think, I think Faber showed enough in these two games where I really think if Faber was left-handed, he'd be in there game 100%. one. But he's right-handed, so I don't know that they want to throw him in his third NHL yes, game on exactly. his offside. But I just think that I think he might be the first guy that the first adjustment that they make if thing, if the third yeah. defensive pair. He will not. Klingberg will not have a lot of rope, uh, or Merrill will not have a lot of rope. And the rope. The funny thing is that if Klingberg's terrible, the rope for him might actually be to move to the offside, which I just think is a huge risk. Um, uh, I, I I just. I, I, I think that if you're not playing Faber on the left side, which I totally get, why not? I think they should just start with Goligoski and Klingberg. Hope, especially against Dallas, where they were a long time set pair for the Stars. I think you put them there. Goligoski's played pretty well here this last I, several Goligoski's months. been great. And so I, I, I just think that. But Merrill has been a total liability lately, like beyond belief. Like uh, just defensively, penalties. Uh, last night was as bad as we've seen him. I think, and I and you know I'm I I've liked Merrill. Hey, Nashville just scored. Yep. Two uh, one. Who wants to ask some questions here? I'm in that uh that mood where I'm like about to snap at Anthony, but I'm like trying to like You're distract in the myself. ADD mode. Yeah. Um, if anybody hasn't, uh, if it's not obvious, I want to go to Denver, but. Uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you, you prefer like, from, to go to Denver? I, I, yeah, I mean, well, totally selfishly. I just, yeah, I like Denver better than Dallas. So I actually yeah. like Dallas, but yeah. I'm selfish because I've got a son, AJ, who lives in Denver. So for me, it would be great to yeah. get to go out there, spend four days with him, and play some golf on the off day, perhaps. So for me, it's kind you of a win-win. should go up to Breckenridge on one of the off days. We're going. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna push the Predators along here to make our day. Yeah, I'm What's not. What's up? I'm not doing How's it that. going? How are you? Good. How are oh you? Oh my God! Look at that shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, the hype so, man. The hype man. Yeah, so I just had a quick question. Have you met the hype man? I have. Yeah, okay. uh, last say, week, actually. He comes to these podcasts. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, so I just had a question about Marco Rossi. Rossi. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you guys think of his performance last night and if he'll have a playoff spot? I think he was good in the third period, but uh, first two. Yeah, I, I... He will not have a playoff spot. I'd be surprised if we see him in the playoffs. Barring, there's injuries. Barring some kind of injury, but I, I think his game was trustworthy, but just not explosive offensively just he just hasn't made plays that you'd expect a guy at his skill set to make and I think this is a really important offseason for him huge get a little stronger get a little faster the wild have one of the best skating coaches in the league and he's he's been really good at working with guys in these spots I think this is a big offseason for Marco Rossi yeah um well I don't think they're ready to give up on him based on his age and I think it would be a huge risk um, he is probably going to have to have a conversation with management about staying here this summer. I don't know how receptive he'll be to it, but he's got to get with their trainers both in the strength room and on the ice for skating. Um, his skating's not explosive enough, and he's just, I mean, they feel that he is weak. And you can't be weak in the National Hockey League. You could be undersized in the National Hockey League, but you can't be weak, and that's what they feel right now. And... Um, there and were about three plays in last night's game in Nashville where he got knocked down, and every time I'd look at the wild bench and their, Dean and Darby would have a eye contact exchange where you could see they were thinking like, he just, he's just not there yet. But 
they haven't given up on this guy. They still believe he's, he's going to be a part of the future, and they still believe he has incredible skill. Where Kind of like what Freddie Gaudreau has done in his career, and I don't, I, he's a different player than Gaudreau. Better but, be. But Dean talked about it with the – he had Freddie in Milwaukee, and he said the first day I walked in and watched him practice, I thought, holy cow, this guy has unbelievable hands. We scored five NHL goals before he came to Minnesota. And then all of a sudden it clicked. And now he's, I'm not saying he's not a 40-goal scorer, but he's scored 33 in the last two years here compared to five of the rest of his career. So Rossi has that kind of skill set. With his, He's got great hands, got great vision. It'll click. It just is going to take a little bit. Yeah, he... Um but they might need him in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, I, hopefully, I, I hope that he sticks around because I think he de- does need to understand that that uh, they have, um, you know, that, that they're trying to say this, like, diplomatically, but they are concerned, to say the least, and they are going to be watching how receptive he is to that or it's going to say a lot to them. Um, but, you know, th- to Anthony's point about three plays last night, I mean, I, when you said that, the first thing I thought of was Mikhail Granlund's rookie year, where how many times was he pushed off the puck and did splits? And it was hard to watch. Similarly, not a great skater. Similarly, undersized, all those stockier. Um, and I think a lot of us wondered, wow, is he ever going to get there? And he became eventually one of their leading scorers and and led them in scoring a couple seasons. Um, so uh, and similarly hyped and all that stuff. So. Uh, but this is going to be a huge offseason, to Anthony's point, if he's going to want to be here long term. So, thanks, guys. Yep. Any other questions? Yeah, I just I think if you when you look at where they are with the yeah go ahead with the with who might have to be knocked out of the lineup, there are some guys that if they if that was where an injury occurred, he might be the best option they have because there are some spots in a lineup where he'd be the right fit and. You know, you're just you're also going to make sure that you give guys that have been here all year the first yeah. opportunity, the Sam Steels of the world, who have proven more than Rossi has. And Sam, you know, who's been in the league longer and all that stuff, uh, you know, he just skates better, and obviously we've seen the hands and things like that. I think Marco will be fine. I just uh, definitely don't think he's ready. Man, if you haven't looked outside, if you haven't been outside, the warm weather is here and spring is here, and it's time for spring cleaning and home improvements as there is nothing better than having amazing Connecticut water throughout your entire home. I got my whole home Connecticut water treatment system installed a couple years ago, and it has made my life a lot easier. Connecticut system uses significantly less salt than a standard electric, making the Connecticut system the world's most efficient water treatment system. Contact my friends over to Aquarius Home Services in Connecticut and ask for a free water analysis on your home or cabin. One of their trusted water specialists will visit your home or cabin and provide quality options that makes sense for you and your home. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. It's springtime. The weather is getting nicer. The snow is melting. The spring season selling season is here. Skip the spring cleaning and get straight to spring selling. Be proactive and take action today, even if you're not quite ready to sell your home. So you can be better informed and ready to move forward when the time is right. More people are moving again as interest rates are stabilized. Sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. There's no showings, no decluttering, no repairs, and no stress. It's an easy way to sell your home. They keep you in control so you can sell your home fast. You can pick your closing date and move when it's convenient for you. 
So find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be right now. There's no obligation. You could do that by going to chrislindahl.com or call 763-401-SOLD. Close with confidence and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. As you head into the spring, it's always a great time to be entertaining. That means that it's grill season once again. And when it's grill season, for me, that's a trip to Kowalski's. Just had a Sunday dinner. And it's like my favorite part of the weekend is wandering back to the meat counter, the fish counter, and had some friends at the last podcast show up and say, hey, what would you recommend? Recommend trusting the guy behind the counter. He'll tell you what is the freshest, what's the best, what's the most recently arrived in terms of seafood. And for the steaks, just take a look at them and pick which ones are best. I personally went for the Akaushi fillets on Sunday this week, but sometimes it's the USDA Prime, whichever ones look the best. Go with those. Happy grilling as you head into the summer and when you're going to grill, you got to start with the perfect ingredients, and that's at Kowalski's. Um, love your shirt. What's up? Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first time here, actually, so this is kind of yeah. cool. The person oh. talking, by the way, for people listening at home on the podcast or in their cars is a Spurgina's pizza shirt, uh, which isn't that a – that's a sort of a making fun of the whole uh, – The phonetics yeah, jersey mistake, yeah. Yeah, a couple years ago when they misspelled Spurgeon's name. Yep. Uh, so my first question, not really current roster-related, uh, Daniela Yurov – yeah. Uh, over there in the KHL, is there any any word on if they're trying to bring him here? Or um, I had Billy on the uh, on the fan a couple a uh, week or so ago on a, when I was filling in for Burrow, and he basically said that uh, they're still talking. And I've talked to his agent um, uh, a couple times, and they're still working through that. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on his ice time and things like that. I mean, I think they if he's going to get ice time, they'd prefer him to stay over there. Um, yeah, because it doesn't seem like he's been getting a whole lot of ice yeah, time. Yeah, but that's the way that they do it in Russia. Is I it? mean, that's just, I mean, who's Nadina didn't play last year either. And it was all uh, to, to, you know, leverage him to resign. And then, say, uh, it kind, say it kindly. My second question is uh, Marcus Johansson. He's, is he fine to start uh, the yeah, playoffs? I, mean, you think? I, I, yeah. I assume Sore, he's got bru- yeah, bruised ribs. Um, can't be fun. Okay. Yeah. Sweet, yeah, he got you. he got lucky. He got hit below the ribs. If he had been hit on the ribs, he probably would have had broken ribs. It was a cheap shot from the it, OPM. It definitely it was because yeah, he was down for he was down for a little yeah. while. And it was scary when it happened. That was yeah. amazed at how the Jets after that game were trying to pretend like just because of the Hartman play that it was the Wild throwing cheap shots. It was all game. They were going after yeah. Kaprizov. Yeah, the Ehlers hit on Kaprizov right before Hartman wiped yeah. him out was a cheap hit. Yeah, I mean it's just uh, it's just laughable. And 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 um, and it was them that knocked Kaprizov out of the lineup for 13 games, whether you think it was an accident or not. I mean, it's like they were acting like they were absolutely mistreated. Uh, it was hysterical. Yeah, it, and it was a tough night. We can talk more about that later. Yeah. But. That was uh, the last question. Um, that hit to uh, Marcus Johansson, obviously a cheap shot. Um, $5,000 fine just doesn't seem like uh, – doesn't seem like it was um, just for what, uh, what had happened out there. Sir. Uh, all I can tell you is that nobody in the wild front office disagrees with you. Yeah. They all, it, I've talked to a few, and they were dumbfounded. The fact that, and I, the league could have just made it easy, suspended them for a game. Their next game didn't matter anyway. And, but that was an intent to hurt. I always hate to use the, the term intent to injure because I really don't think guys are trying to put a guy on the injured list. But he was trying to hurt him. He was absolutely trying to hurt him in the final minute of a game. And, look, the officials had a bad night. 
And it started, it, it, yeah. they did. It was, they were terrible. And, it, and really, one of the calls they missed that was the worst was Ryan Reeves riding DeMello into the wall. And when they didn't call that, it was like both teams knew it was jungle rules for the rest of the night. They could do whatever they want because these guys, they had totally lost control of the game. And the Hartman hit at center was an interference. It was without a doubt. You and I have been at George Peros's office and watched games with him. And, and this flies in the face of everything he's always said to us. He says that he looks at just the play when determining if it's a suspendable offense. Just the play, nothing else. Not who the player is, what precipitated it, what their history is, anything else. Look at the play. Basically decide if there was a crime. Then if you agree that there was a crime, now everything else comes into play when you determine the length of the, of the suspension. He started the video that night to describe the hit by Hartman showing Ehlers hitting Kaprizov and saying, so this is clearly a retaliatory hit by Hartman, which absolutely defies what he has set out as the, basically the, the structure for his own system. If he had just shown the hit and said, this was a suspendable hit, now we take into account that it was a retaliatory hit, that should have been in the sentencing phase of the trial, basically. And I asked Billy about this, and he said he had he said, I've watched a thousand of those suspended video or suspension videos. That's the first one I've ever seen that showed the play that led up to it first. So I just I think it was one that they that they misfired on. I just this is all conjecture now. I believe they've been looking at Ryan Hartman hundred percent all year long. Looking for a reason and maybe deservedly so, but the bottom line is the rules aren't supposed to allow them to do that, to say, we've been looking for a reason to suspend this guy all year long because he's been on the edge. And it, the reality is the game didn't really matter for the Wild anyway, but now it does matter for Hartman in every future spot. He is a previously suspended and that's, yeah, player. And that's what I meant when I was talking to Bill. To, you know, I know that Dean was perfectly fine with what Hartman did. Absolutely. For the reason that actually George Paris showed. Uh, but what my, the context, you were there when I asked my uh, question to Dean, and that was my point, is does he have to be careful? Because this guy is under the microscope now, and his next suspension is going to be uh, uh, not only financially uh, hard on him, and there will, you know, he's, he just he plays on that yeah. edge. And he's, but if you look at those two plays, yeah. and you just look at the hit itself, yeah, it's, the Ehlers hit on Kaprizov, is actually a more egregious interference call than Hartman's hit on Ehlers. Yeah. The puck is nowhere close yeah. when Ehlers goes to hit Kaprizov. Yeah. The puck, you could argue, had just left Hartman's possession yeah. when he hits Ehlers. So it, it was, yeah. that hit was, was, again, I think it was an intent to hurt. Yeah. It was, I'm gonna, I got a shot at Kirill Kaprizov right here. The puck's nowhere around. He's not expecting it. I'm going to try and hit him. And I just felt that was the way the Jets played all night. And I thought the officials totally lost control of the game. And, 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 the and, reason and therefore, why it was just, spiraling that and way. The reason why, I mean, you know, like, and you know, you and I both respect those guys in that room. But they put out, they, they made a decision and basically said that you could use your stick as, as in, you could hurt somebody, use your stick in a violent manner, and that is perfectly fine. But if you hit a guy in the chest, but he doesn't have the puck, that's, just, I mean, that right. is just so stupid. Right. And, to the officiating point, the officiating this season is as bad as I've ever seen it. And it is not just the young officials. 
It are these, these veterans. And the problem that I have with the horrendous officiating that we constantly are seeing is the cause and effect. I mean, just, fast, just flash back to the Pittsburgh game where Oscar Sundquist is violently cross-checked three times by Chris Letang and gets injured. They don't call that penalty. They drop the puck. Then they call a chintzy penalty on Jonas Bardeen. I know you thought that it was an okay call. But that only happens because they don't call the power play. And what happens on the PK? Guy breaks his leg. That is a cause and effect for them not calling Oscar Sundquist. Yul Eriksson is in the Wilds lineup right now if those, if those referees were competent and called that penalty on Latang. That he would not have been on that PK. It would never have happened. Similarly, the game the other night, Wilder up or down 2-1. They not only the boldy trip in the offensive zone, but in the D zone, they got two penalties that were non-calls. And then it becomes 3-1. Yeah, in the know, Winnipeg game. Yeah, the non-call yeah. on Boldy was, might have been as bad a missed yeah. calls or was the and, whole night. And, and, and right before that, in the D zone, there were two non-calls. I mean, you know, you can even go back to the, to the, you know, the one that we talk about constantly, the one in San Jose, where Dumba is jumped by Megna and LeBlanc, LeBlanc. They don't call that. And what happens the next shift is Mason Shaw should not be on the ice, and he takes a kneeing penalty that results in a suspension. And the Wild lose the game because of them not calling an obvious call. Um, it's just 3-1. So, <laughs> so uh, um, by the way, the uh, shots uh, 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 are 14-1 to Colorado right now. And um, McKinnon has taken over the game. Yeah. McKinnon's like, uh, we could uh, shoot on Martin Jones or Philip Grubauer, or we can go get, uh, you know, play a hard physical series against Minnesota Wild. Let's go play Seattle. What's up? So my friend Blake used to always say that Philip Kuba had pictures of Jacques, and that's the only reason he got to play as much as he did. And now, I would say Martin Skula more fits that category. Than that could be, that could be. But now he thinks that Freddie has pictures of Dean. Why did they sign him for five years? Because it seems like that's going to kind of hamstring, you know, getting Johansson back, getting Gus signed. I mean, how can you, how can, with just those two, how can you afford Reeves again? I don't know. At $2 million, I think it's a $2 million a year. I think it's a pretty fair price for Gaudreau. He does so much for this team. And... And don't overlook what he brings in the shootout. Think of how many games the Wild have won this year because of his roles in shootouts. And that it just isn't nothing. It's crazy to think that you'd want to have a guy in your lineup so you could use him in shootouts. But he, he's leading the NHL in shootout goals. And look at there's some teams right now on the outside looking in in the playoffs because they couldn't win shootouts. And Minnesota was very good in those spots. But I, he's a trustworthy player. He's got an underrated stick defensively and offensively. He wins so many puck battles just because he's got a great stick. He's, he's a guy they trust against anybody. I'm not quite as enthralled with the way he's uh, Dean's assessment that he played great with Boldy last year. I, I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was good, but not, it was more Boldy and Fiala and Goudreau happened to be along for the ride, but. So two million might be a fair price for him. Why five years? That's probably how you got him to take two million. Because if he had gone to somebody else, he's probably in a spot where he's going to get maybe three a year, but only for three years. So I'm sure they were able to say, "Hey, look, we'll give you, we'll get you to the same price, but because we're cap strapped, we got to do it at a lower AAV." Just because that. So I'm sure that's. I I haven't even asked anybody, but mm -hmm. my guess would be they were probably looking at it, saying he's going to get. 9, 10, 11 million from somebody out there over a three-year deal. Let's try to get him to the same number and just stretch it out over five. And, and he's a center. And, you know, you can't discount, too. Like, I mean, 
he might, he's a middle six forward, but middle six also means top six at times. And, and you know, he has that skill level that if in a pinch you need him because an Erickson X out, you can push him up in the lineup. He's been um, really good on the penalty yeah. kill. Really uh, good. His market value is in the threes. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think he gets uh, – and I, I, the reason why I'm always hesitant to, like, pump his tires is because if we go back to any of our podcasts, like, two years ago, like, at the beginning of two last season when he got here, you and I were not exactly the biggest uh, support. Well, I didn't know anything about him. In yeah. fact, I, I mentioned this – And we didn't love his game in the no, first I, month. I mentioned this on the broadcast last night. I still remember last year preseason we sat down with Dean – before, during training camp, we do a one-on-one with a coach, and Freddie was new. And I said, I, I, you know, I didn't really barely even remember him when we played Nashville. And I said, what, is, what does Freddie Gaudreau bring? And he said, wait till you watch him. He is just a great hockey player. I was like, a great hockey player? Like, I didn't even notice the guy when we played him last year. He said, he does so many things, and he said, someday he's going to score. And this was before last season when they, the, the guy had five goals in the NHL. But he has turned out to be just such a valuable piece. And you got to give him some credit. He was a part of that Boldy Fiala line last year. So I guess you can't just dismiss it and say, well, those two guys did it all on their own. He was a part of it. Yeah, I, you know, but I mean, but to your point, I, I mean, I, I would say that when I first got wind that this was happening, like a little uh, yesterday around game time, that, uh, and uh, I figured it was, when I heard the price, I thought it was going to be a three year deal. Um, and I was having trouble tracking it down. Um, he, you know, the one thing is he's got maybe the best agent in the game in Pat Brisson, and Brisson's a hardliner. He knows market value very much. Um, you know, he's somebody that talks to other teams, probably laid it out to the wild who he's going to go play for next year, and this is what they're going to give him. And they know, I mean, that, that's just the way it works. And so I think that they, you know, maybe overpaid in term to get the AAV down because he probably could have, I mean, uh, you know, the way that centers are coveted and his age at 29, the way he skates and his skill level and all that stuff, there's no doubt he would have gotten two and a half million uh, or more on the open market. So um, that that was the, that's, you know, it's it's like Erickson Eck. Nobody thought he'd get eight years, but when you get him at eight years at five, it's a pretty good deal. I got one more question for you. So, you know, the narrative all year has been that we've been a big, hard team to play against. Talk me off the edge that we haven't gotten suddenly very small. Well, we've gotten smaller, <laughs> that's for sure. But I, I don't think it's, I still don't think they're, uh, that, they're, that they're worried about that part of it. I, they're, they still have guys that are hard to play against. Erickson X, hard to play against. Felino's hard to play against. Kaprizov's hard to play against for a, for a scorer. So I, they have gotten smaller, there's no doubt. But even adding Brock Faber to the defensive mix, he's bigger than, frankly, bigger than I thought he was. I, I hadn't watched him play other than on TV this year. When I did their game, a couple of their games a couple of years ago, he was a, more of a slim guy. He's pretty sturdy, and he's got and, a little more strength to, play to his game. hard to play against doesn't necessarily mean size. I mean, they are hard to play against. Just how, look how structured they are in their own zone. Always in your face. Always just a pain in the ass to play against. Um, that's also what coaches are meaning, is, is, is their structure. Where last year, they were just loosey-goosey, always wanting to score and all that stuff, and... Um, that's that's part of it, um, but I think the biggest concern right now is I just think their game has 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 really deteriorated since that Colorado game. They just have lost their mojo. Um, they've won, they've won two of their final seven games. Um, the the two the game two games against Vegas incredibly disappointing. Uh, the game in Pittsburgh was abysmal. Um, you know they just have not found 
their game. And then what happened is the Ericsson Eck thing scared the hell out of them. So now you're starting to take guys out of the lineup. Um, you know, this is a big series yeah. for Zuccarello, too. Like, he has not been good. And it concerns me that he didn't look like he was any better with Kaprizov back in the lineup. Actually, I thought he looked better, but I was surprised they only played those guys twice. Mm -hmm. And with Dean kept talking about that, well, they're gonna, it's going to take time to, to jump back into game shape. And I thought, well, then why won't you play him more of the games down the stretch? But they were just, they, they had decided long ago that they were going to value rest more than winning the division or getting home ice. And I think that that's a, a little subtle beneath the surface problem that this team had in the, in the seven games you mentioned is I don't care what you say, players hear about the fact that coaches are saying, well, we're going to rest this guy, we're going to rest this guy, we're going to rest this guy. And somehow, some way, deep down, that insinuates to players we're taking the foot off the gas. Yeah. And, and I, I think they'll be able to flip the switch back on when they get into the playoff series, but I don't know if all of a sudden you're going to have that mid-season form chemistry on a power play, say, with Zuccarello, Kaprizov. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm worried that's, about. We'll have to see if that happens. But I thought, yeah. I thought the very first shift that Zuccarello and Kaprizov played together in Kirill's first game back, it's like, all right, this looks exactly like what we watched all year. They didn't score, but they dominated the game. They had the puck the whole shift, and, and it went on all night. Yeah. What's up? Oh, so I, um, one thing I just want to, I, I got to rant about the, I disagree with the suspension of Hartman. I can't believe that Ehlers doesn't completely lay Hartman out if he doesn't step into him. He was on a beeline for him, and I feel like Hartman was just protecting himself. I don't agree. No? No. It didn't I think look he was like hustling he was to get dodge. back in the play. Yeah. There is nothing, like everybody knows, and Craig Hartman's probably listening to this right now, knows how much I respect Ryan Hartman. Everything he does, he knows what he's doing. He knew that was not an accidental trip over Bennington's right. thing. Yep. That was him giving up the puck to hit Ehlers. Um, that was not him protecting himself. But no, do you it was think Ehlers would have let him go? Caprisa. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was that. Yeah. Well, I, and, but, but like Nikolai Ehlers, like Nikolai Ehlers went after Kaprizov. Nikolai Ehlers was hustling back into the play. This is not his normal way. He was not coming to just bulldoze over Ryan Hartman. Um, All right. Well, yeah. I'm not convinced, but I'll take your yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, hey, you know, like, like you know, we, we all have our opinions, right? right. But uh, I'm just telling you that Ryan, uh, was not, that was not him bracing to protect himself. <laughs> no. I, I bought yeah. his excuse. But, yeah. Uh, so the, my question is that this summer, obviously, we've got a lot of people that we've got to re-sign uh, for the Wild. Um, who do you think they can bring back? I mean, there's a lot of guys. And, and what do you think about Nyquist? Is he someone they might try to get? Because I thought his game looked really good. His yeah. stick handling was excellent. So what do you foresee? Well, maybe he's the guy instead of uh, Johansson. I mean, I don't think he could have both back, but I agree with you. I, I like Nyquist's game so far. Five points in three games. Yeah, I think the scoring's been better than the game. At least the I thought his first game. That's a good yeah, way to give a synopsis. Yeah, I thought. Because even the first game that he had the two assists on Spurgeon and uh, what was the other goal? He didn't play a great game. No, but the pass to Spurgeon was great. Yeah. And but he's been good, and I think he'll be a valuable piece. He, he was. It's kind of an under the radar addition when you look at all the additions Billy made. This right. one was might have had the least attention on it just because he was injured at the time. But I, I don't think I don't think there's any way you bring both of those guys back. It, you know, there's a lot that has to be figured out, and and it, so much is just going to depend on. I believe that there will be a couple of these guys that believe in what's happening here and might be willing to say, hey, I'll trade term for 
for AAV, kind of like what we just saw with Freddie. Like and Reeves, maybe? Or... Maybe. And, and if he's willing... <laughs> well, he's going to have to take a million or he's going to have to leave. Right. It's that simple. Exactly. But with those other guys, I mean, maybe you say, hey, I'll, we can try to get you to the total number, but it's got to be over three years instead of two, just in order to... Because the, they all know what this wild situation is. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be... Uh, Gustafson's going to be the hardest, and he's got a hard-line agent, uh, Jack Campbell's agent, which is why... You know, like that, that to me is going to be... They're going to have to pay him way more than they ever anticipated. If the agent walks and, in and says, this is what Jack Campbell got, so therefore Gus needs you, more. Yeah, Gus is gone. <laughs> yeah. <that's>, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I guarantee you the agent's going to threaten offer sheets. I mean, it's, it, this has become a little complicated, you know. And this has always been my problem, too, is that it's just such a conflict of interest that general managers get to vote on uh, the Vesna. I mean, there are going to be GMs out there that, trust me, are going to throw him in the Vesna voting just to screw the wild. I mean, it's just that simple. And it's so stupid that they have that vote. It makes no sense to me. It is such a conflict of interest. And, um, but I just think that... Uh, Should be the athletic right. Once we get that number, we, we get to vote. We should vote on everything. Um, <laughs> we, like, it just, I don't know. It, until we get that number on Gustafson, then we'll have to do the math. Um, you know, Goligoski, if they could figure out a way to, to alleviate that $2 million, that'd be, that'd be big. Um, you know, whether it's a retirement or a trade or something like that, um, that would give them a little extra flexibility. If somehow the cap can go up more than $1 million, that'll make things a hell of a lot easier. Um, but that, that's, that's the issue right now. I mean, you know, Shaw, they, they're going to bring back, but if it's going to be a while, they may have to figure out a way to, you know, uh, either LTI them or... Sign a, you know, here, sign a, what I would do if I were them is sign a a high-priced AHL deal and have him on that. I don't even know if this is allowed, but I think it would be. And then once he's ready to play, you turn that AHL deal to an NHL deal. I think you'd have to put him on waivers, all that stuff. Um, You know, uh, Duhame's a complicated one, too. He's sneaky old. I'd like to see him back. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, he should be. Uh, So it's... it's, uh, you know, Steele probably can't resign him. Yeah. So, oh, oh yeah. well. <laughs> well, who do, who do you see as a breakout in the playoffs? And anybody we should look out for you think will do well? Um, I actually think Freddie could be an X factor. I mean, to me, Matt Boldy, I'll be interested to see how last year's experience really um, helps him out. Um, by the way, I thought you were wearing a Dumba jersey. Now I see it's a Cook jersey. Um, so, but, yeah, I would, I, I, that's what I want to see is how, does Matt, how did last year – because I think, like, I remember talking to Kaprizov last year in the playoffs, and he basically said, if, because if you remember, he had trouble scoring in that Vegas series, uh, big time. And uh, last year he scored the franchise record seven goals in a single playoff series. And so how, you know, Billy Guerin expects him to elevate his game more than last year. You know, he pointed out, this, that's what Kucherov does every year. That's what Crosby does every year. That's what Couture does, McKinnon does. And so he expects Kaprizov to be even better than last year. Open a smart checking account at Royal Credit Union and enjoy a $250 bonus. Royal Smart Checking has no monthly fees and no minimum balance requirement. See offer details and exclusions and open your account today at rcu.org slash checking bonus. Insured by NCUA. Moe's is a great spot. Moe's, uh, uh, it's inside Fogarty Arena up in Blaine. Terrific menu, and I know that they've expanded their pizza menu recently. It's a great place to watch a game. Go check it out. Terrific menu. They've got great sandwiches, great burgers, and check out their flatbread pizzas. They're outstanding. You won't be disappointed.
Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Question. So the first one I have that I've seen going back and forth on Twitter and Facebook, all that, is Bonus or Evison? Oh, Evison would kill him. <laughs> he, he would, it would have been a, wouldn't have been a, a long fight. Let's just say that. Yeah. And I, I love Dean's reaction to it. Just, all right, come on over. And he, he's a, Dean is a he hard, West, he's a yeah. hard-headed, competitive I, he I a, wouldn't want to mess with that yeah. guy. I mean, this is a guy that fought Dale Hunter three times in like a period once, right? Or, yeah, yeah, same game. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he comes from the WHL school of coaching where, where it was common where coaches got into a fight. So, yeah. Yeah, I asked Dean that the other night. And actually, I asked Billy in front of Dean. And Billy, he agreed with our take that it wouldn't have been a good night for bonus. And I guess my second question I had is... Is that really a debate on social media? Oh, yeah, like people, I, yeah. Like, people actually think that Rick would have taken care of this? Yeah, and then they kept saying that Dean was the old one, and people were like, he's uh, younger. All, yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. Uh, all you got to see is Dean in, you know, in his sweats, and you can tell this is not somebody that's out of shape. He is... He is and he's an angry man at times. So he's well, he's competitive, yeah. and I've he, he, happen, he happens to still work boxing into his workout routine. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think this would have been good for bonus. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. So my second question I had is, as you're talking about where they've been resting players and kind of afraid of injury, something that throws me off is. So then, when they're kind of resting guys, why was it we're going to rest against Chicago? who's clearly out of the playoffs, kind of almost just playing for Bedard right now. And then we're going to have our top guys come back, play against the Jets, who are fighting for their life, knowing already there's issues between both teams. And then, you know, for, yeah, same I, thing I, with, I, like, I Faber. I hear what you're saying. I think one is competitive, um, um, be, you know, uh, Eth, eth, I mean, you have Nashville fighting for their lives. I think it would be a really disgraceful thing to do to play nobody against Winnipeg when they were all in a playoff race. I think that's part of it. It was, it home. was the home game. Right. You know, you, you, want, you want, I mean, people are paying $150 a ticket to come and not watch, uh, you know, Damien Giroux to be, to, with all due respect, but that's, that's the reality. Um, I think that's part of it. Um, but two, I think they looked at it as a playoff tune-up, a team that was fighting for their lives. Um, so they had decided that when Kaprizov was coming back that they said, we want two games where it's our A lineup, and that was one of them that they picked. And I really think the, it, it was more the travel to Chicago. Let's just not make yeah. guys fly and play back-to-backs. That's where guys are probably most injury-prone. And I don't know what they would have done in Nashville if, if Minnesota had beaten Winnipeg that's the part about the other team playing for their lives where you would have felt a little responsibility, I think. I, I don't know that it would have changed anything with their plans, but it, imagine if you were a Winnipeg fan, the Wild beat them here, 
and then go to Nashville the next night and play with a an AHL lineup, that would have been that would have been tough. And I don't know if they would have changed it or not. I don't think they were planned on ever sitting ten guys last night. I think a lot of that had to do with the Johansson hit and like this is stupid. You know, could be. I, I really think they had that was all part of their plan going in. But I, I just wonder if it would have changed if the game would have mattered to Nashville Man. and therefore to Winnipeg. I think it would have been better to play Faber in like a game against the Jets, kind of putting him against kind of a top team that is playoff eligible. I think they just wanted to get him two games out of the three. Okay, and so it wasn't watching as yeah, much on uh, how yeah. he did. I think it was. I think they saw a lot in his first game that had them excited and just. But the plan was to play their A lineup the next night at home already, and they weren't going to stray from that. You know, to your point on Faber, I'll tell you that he's been to me, um, you know, I think we've been, or I've been the last, um, you know, month or two when we've been talking about Faber coming here, is that we were saying that this is still a figment of their imagination, whether this guy could really come out of college and be Jonas Prodeen's partner next season. And I know it's only two games, but, man, do I feel like he, ha- he is an NHL well, player. Actually, we've said most of the time that I think next season he will be. No, it that's was, what I mean. could he be ready to step in in this year's yeah. playoffs? And I didn't think that was likely. But after watching him, I'm not as convinced that it couldn't be. It's yeah, but still – next yeah. year, I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah. And I never had a doubt that – because it might take six, eight games. But six, eight games in October, yeah. you can – you can live with some growing pains. Yeah. You can't in a seven-game yeah, series. Yeah, no, what I was saying is more so is that, like, I, I'm, I am talking about next season that, like, the, the Wild have seemed to have this plan that he was going to be Dumba's replacement and that he would just be Joe, Jonas Breen's partner next year. And I, my, you know, the skeptic in me said, boy, that's a lot to ask out of, you know, just imagining that some college kid could step in and do that. And I think that he has shown the uh, abilities out yeah. there that he's going to be able to still a long come. way yeah, to go. Absolutely. If you're Billy G and you want to give a message to the wild locker room before playoffs, uh, what's it going to be and why is this year different? You know, they've made playoffs now 10 of the last 11, um, exited the first round all but two. Uh, they're going in kind of on a two and seven record, like you guys said, facing a, ha- a hot abs or Dallas team. What's, why is this year different? I think this year's different for two reasons. One, I think there's a confidence inside this room that there wasn't last year. This is a group that knows, they know they're good enough to win and they know what it takes to win. And then the second is their special teams. The special teams are better than they were last year by a wide margin. And you have to be good on special teams in the playoffs. The, the power plays become so critical in these spots because scoring five on five becomes harder and harder when you get into the postseason. You have to be able to score on the power play. And remember, they got killed on the special teams by St. Louis last year, and this year's team's better in both spots. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, f- well said. A couple more, uh, yeah. A couple more uh, minutes left in the show if you uh, want to get in some last-second questions. Um, feel free. What's up? Last point. <laughs> is, is their power play really going to be better? With Eck out, I think they're going to lose a lot of draws. You go back to the Dallas game, the stats say they had their worst face-off performance ever. I think it's a big thing in the series. Without him to win that initial draw, they're going to be chasing the puck constantly down the ice. And ever since they've taken out Addison, the power play hasn't really shown the consistency that it had early in the year. Plus, they brought in Johansson, switched the personnel. And what do you do there? 
You lose. It is funny. Their best face-off guy on the power play lately, is, other than the one they they gave up a shorty on yesterday, has been Rossi. Um, but man, yeah, but, but that Boldy, is a, Boldy a will take Boldy, a lot yeah, of those Boldy draws. Will take it. And and they've actually been okay there. I believe me, I'm more of a face-off guy than anybody than on our coaching staff. Well, at least our head coach and our GM, but, which is coincidental because Dean was a center, right? But I, they, there's another thing to do. They don't have Erickson Eck, and I. So the face-offs a part of it, but he, I'm not sure that there are more than a a couple better net front power play guys than him right now. Exactly, I, he's terrific there. So. We'll see how many games he misses, but it, the power play hasn't been the same without him, without a doubt. And you know, we'll see. I, but it has been—it's been a lot better this season. They're in the top ten in the league in combined special teams. Their kill has been terrific all year. They've been—they've got the highest goals for percentage when shorthanded of any team in the league. They got a lot of things to be excited about with their special teams. Would you? But take- their power play has come back to earth. Right. You know, but a lot of that is. Kaprizov being out of the lineup, then Eck, and obviously I, I do think they've taken a step back with that, you know, Klingberg versus Addison. So on that line, then, do you change any personnel on the power play? Is it you stick with Johansson on the, on the sideboards? Do you find someone to take net front instead of Eck until he comes I, back? I don't know. I mean, what are you going to do, put Felino there? Like, right, that, to right. Me, yeah. right. Yeah. It'll right. be Johansson yeah. until Eck's back. Yeah. And, and he's been a – he was a good part of Washington's power play. He was always the guy that if Backstrom was out, he took his spot. If Kuznetsov was out, he took his spot. He was a, he was a piece of what was one of the elite power plays in the NHL for a decade, and he was a part of it. He wasn't one of the go-to guys, but he fit in well there when needed, and, and he's been fine there. He's just not a net front guy. Right, that's what I think. The whole, the whole power play becomes so perimeter, then they pass it around the outside forever, and then maybe take a shot. Yeah, gets, but I, I, think with, uh, I think with Kaprizov back, I think that we're going to see them, you know, be much more of a threat now. I mean, you know, uh, Klingberg's just got to be better, though. You know, he, he's, he's become a shorthanded giveaway machine. Um, and uh, it, I don't know. I, uh, I, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt that his deterioration this season had to do with playing for Anaheim. It's him. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, he, brings Man, a, he is never going to get that money back that he turned down from Dallas. Like, he brings a different dynamic to the power play, though. He is much more of a shoot guy yeah, than, than well, Addison. Yeah, he, there's few players in the league that just walk the line as well as he does and, and finds that shooting lane. But everything before that is uh, definitely a high-risk thing. And, um, and I don't know. I, I just think uh, I hope that we see a better John Klingberg because he's – and it just concerns me that they're going to start him off potentially on the left just because Merrill isn't. I, they're not going to start him there. Yeah, I'm just I saying mean, that I think we might like, see that in the series. Yeah. I think they should just start with Goose and, uh, and, and Klingberg and just go with that. And then if it doesn't work, then, you know, then figure it out. But, uh, but we'll see. Maybe Merrill will be better. Any other questions before we wrap up the show? Everybody excited for the playoffs? Best time of year. Best time of year. Well, and, thanks, I've, and I've got dinner reservations for us Sunday night in Dallas. Where? 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 That's the question. Avanti. Oh, really? Yep. You want to just uh, quickly tell everybody what happened at Avanti a couple times? <laughs> there have been a couple broken wine glasses there over the years. Um, not by either one of us, by my old broadcast partner. He just has big hands. It, That's and it, but it was crazy because we ate dinner with him, uh, who knows how many times, 400 times over the years. He only broke wine glasses at this particular restaurant, but he broke three years in a row. He broke a wine glass there. 
And it became a joke like the third time we were kidding him on the way there. Are you going to break another glass tonight? And, uh, and then sure enough, down went his glass at dinner and boom, exploded yeah, they again. They clearly don't have yeah. the best wine glasses there. Yeah. It's kind of like when Ryan Carter tries to cut chicken in the uh, meal room at the XL Energy Center. Sure yeah. enough, he will chop that freaking knife right in hand, or the fork right in hand. Well, thanks to everybody coming out to the Aquarius Home Services studio and coming out to here to Split Rocks on your Friday night, on this beautiful Friday night. Thanks to our sponsors, Aquarius Home Services, your installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing, Heating, and Cooling. Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Royal Credit Union, Moe's Tavern, Bo Schlaufer, and Kowalski's. Thanks, everybody, for coming Thank on. Thank you. So much coming out, there's nothing going in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner um, If you're playing pull tabs and you win a jackpot, half that goes to the, the hosts.